Mums with Hustle podcast, episode 98. Welcome to the Mums with Hustle podcast, where you'll discover everyday mum entrepreneurs killing it in their industry. Learn the secrets you can replicate to create your own success with your host, Tracy Harris. Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Mums with Hustle podcast with me, Tracy Harris. As always, it is really awesome to have you joining me here on the podcast. I do these episodes weekly, so if this is your first time listening, huge, huge welcome to you. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I hope that you return and of course, tell your friends all about it. Now, today's podcast episode is actually with a biz mom over in the UK. Her blog has become her business and she's here on the podcast to tell us all about it. So let's get into it. Kira Atwell is the founder of My Fussy Eater, a blog dedicated to feeding the fussy eater in your family. Since launching in 2014, the blog has really become one of the leading family food blogs in the UK and Ireland. Kira regularly contributes to other leading websites and magazines as well, and she has also appeared on TV and radio to discuss fussy eating. What started as a way to get her very own little fussy eating daughter, then age three, to eat a varied diet has quickly turned into a fully fledged business. So welcome to the Mums with Hustle podcast, Kira. Thank you, Tracy. Really excited to be here. Yes, it's really, really cool. I'm excited to talk, you know, all about your biz and maybe a little bit about fussy eating as well. Um, but before we dive into that stuff, I'd love for you to catch us up to speed and tell us a bit more about yourself, your family, and I guess your business in a nutshell. Yeah. Okay. So my name is Kira. Um, as you can probably tell from my accent, I'm originally from Ireland, but I'm living in the UK now. Um, with my husband, I live in the countryside about an hour outside London and I have two small children. Aoife is six and Finn is three. And yeah, I run the website My Fussy Eater, which is essentially a recipe blog as such. Um, so lots of kind of recipes and ideas for feeding the kids, feeding the family, kind of quick, easy recipes for busy parents and also tips and tricks and kind of hints for fussy eaters or yeah, just general, general tips and tricks for feeding kids. I absolutely love it because yes, I have a three-year-old and, you know, a newborn um, foodie, I guess, is only five months old. Uh, he's easy to feed, but the yeah. three, <laughs> he wants everything, <laughs> things that aren't food. He wants it all. Um, but the three-year-old, yeah, it's kind of getting into that age group of where he just, you know, is losing interest in certain types of food. So yeah. I love following along with your blog. Um, you know, what caught my eye? I think I actually first came across you on Instagram, Kira. And yeah. your use of that platform is outstanding, including, you know, your general Instagram feed, but also Instagram stories. And I, I do want to talk to you about that in a minute. But in general, your use of socials is outstanding. So can you tell us how you have managed to build such a targeted following of your ideal audience? And not only that, but they're also very loyal and they're also engaged. Yeah. And 
Yeah, you're on Facebook, you're on Instagram. Can you talk us through the strategies for how you use those platforms? Um, yeah, well, it took me a bit of time really to kind of find my way with Facebook. and I mean, Instagram, I, I still feel like I'm kind of experimenting with it. But Facebook in particular, I feel like I've really kind of found my stride with it this year. But it has taken some time. And I think what really has helped me is to really stick to my niche and my niche of kids food and family food and quick easy recipes also majority of kind of healthy recipes and by constantly posting that kind of content on my Facebook and not just my own but other people's content as well that's really helped with my growth particularly over the past 12 months and I think it's kind of really important to remember that with Facebook is that People on Facebook don't really care if the content content that they're seeing is yours or if you're sharing somebody else's. They just want to see good content. And so, you know, it's a really great place to be sharing other people's, not just your own. And it's also very helpful, you know, because you only have a finite number of uh, recipes or whatever it may be of your own content to share. So it's great to connect with other people and that's particularly something I've been doing in the past year is to connect with other kids food bloggers from all around the world and we have a really great kind of um, a group a collective of people now when we all help each other out we all share each other's recipes and that's worked really really well for me on Facebook. Oh that is fantastic because that is the beauty about um, Facebook I guess when you compare it to Instagram is that you can share links to things more, you know, more easily on Facebook. So sharing the content of other people and not just your own is something you found to be really beneficial. Absolutely. Um, I mean, Instagram is fantastic. I really love it as a platform. And as I said, I'm trying to kind of maybe get to grips more with it this year now that I feel like I've kind of cracked Facebook. Um, but I do often feel like with Instagram, things are very inspirational. So, yes. and yeah, and people, you know, don't necessarily want to click off to see a recipe. You know, they want to stay within Instagram. It's more of a kind of a, a lifestyle kind of platform whereas I feel on Facebook that people actually want information so they want to see the recipe they want the link they want to click off and you know to see the content on another platform whether it be a, a recipe or you know a dress or whatever it may be that they're looking at so I think Facebook is a great place then to use that ability to be able to link out to whatever platform it is that you're trying to get people to. Okay, so then on your Instagram, I guess, um, has your strategy been to obviously have some nice striking photography, but then to actually publish the recipe in the caption? Is that what you've yeah, been doing? Yeah, I mean, obviously with Instagram it's a lot different because you only have um, you, you only have the ability to include one clickable link in your profile. There's no clickable links in the actual Instagram post. Yeah. Uh, and that's obviously a very clever tactic by Instagram themselves because they want to keep people in their platform. But it does limit you because, you know, you only have one clickable link viewable at all times. Um, so if it tends to be quite a simple recipe, I will put the full ingredients and the directions in the caption, you know, so people can see it. Um, they don't need to go and look for it elsewhere. But otherwise, if it's a bit more kind of convoluted or longer recipe, I will stick the link in that one clickable link in the bio. Yeah. 
And you know what? You're absolutely right, especially when it comes to recipes. I actually feel a little bit miffed sometimes <laughs> when I see something visually that looks like it would be an absolute winning recipe for my family or my kids or myself, and then there's no recipe underneath. I'm always a bit like, now you want me to leave Instagram, and I am a bit <laughs> like that. <laughs> But it's true, you know, it's true. And, and, and Instagram wants to keep people in there as well. And yeah. that's, that's why I do feel that it's maybe a bit more inspirational is that people may not necessarily ever make that recipe, but they, they might like it, they might comment on it, but, you know, they may not necessarily actually want to take the action to go and see it and print it off or screenshot it or wherever it may be. But, I mean, that's absolutely fine. Um, but I think it's just good to remember that, people are using the different social media platforms in different ways. Yeah. And you definitely need to understand who your target audience is and then what their social media habits are too, because it varies from audience to audience. Absolutely. And another thing I noticed as well is that on Instagram, I do post, um, Obviously, I post my recipes, but quite often I post kind of more real life pictures of, you know, days where, I haven't made my kids, you know, uh, an amazing cook from scratch meal. I've cooked them fish fingers and, and chips or some packet microwave rice because I've had a really busy day and that actually goes down really well. Um, yeah, you know, people kind of appreciate that and they, you know, they, they like the honesty. Whereas I found on Facebook, actually people aren't that interested in seeing my real life they just want to see the recipes yeah so you are their you are their recipe book or their catalog and that's all they want yeah they don't necessarily want to see the more kind of personal side of of me or you know my day-to-day life they just want to see you know the more curated recipes whereas on instagram people seem to appreciate both the you know, the recipes with the, you know, fully styled photos, but also the real life and, you know, what, what happens on busy days or hectic days. So yeah, yeah, it's, I think in terms of kind of, um, trying to come to terms with different platforms as a social media user for your business, I think it's, it's important to look out for those signs of what people are responding to and then basically give them more of that. Yes, a hundred percent. Always be looking at the data or, Mm. you know, the analytics and then rinse and repeat for what's working. Yeah, makes total sense. And just on the fact, you know, that you do publish the recipes quite often um, in your caption on Instagram, there is the new Instagram feature now where people can actually save a post and then um, actually save it in like a little album, which they call yeah. a collection. Yes, yeah, so it's kind of like Pinterest. Mm. So I bet like, yeah, there'd be a lot of people, Kira, saving your recipes. You're mm. right. Whether they actually get around to making them or not is one thing, but at least they're saving your content and, you know, yeah. stopping by stopping by regularly to come back and have a look. And yeah. over time, I'm a big believer in just giving away what you know or giving away your content, making it easy for people to access because people will just start clicking and coming along to your website to get more Absolutely. of what they're already loving. Absolutely. Um, and as well, I think just in the last week, Instagram have rolled out that feature in Instagram stories where everybody now can put a um, 
a link in an Instagram story because I think yes. before it was only available for certain accounts, but I think it's been rolled the out. Swipe today. up. Yeah, it's the swipe up. That's it. So I think yes. I'm pretty sure it's available to everybody now. So that's another, um, you know, another great feature that people should certainly use, not overuse it, you know, in every single Instagram story, but, you know, maybe once a day, put a link out. Definitely. Yeah, it is definitely making it much easier for us to get, you know, increased exposure, but also to get people over to our website. Yeah. I think it's really cool. Okay. Well, on Instagram stories, I have been nerding out over Instagram stories because they've had so many developments in the last, you know, few months with Instagram stories. And it is still relatively new. Yeah. Um, and it is quite difficult actually to find out some expert tips on how different entrepreneurs or business people and bloggers are using Instagram stories. So how have you been using it? And what are your suggestions for the Mums with Hustle listeners when it comes to Insta stories? So I've been using it as a kind of, you know, showing bits of my real life and because I'm, I am very conscious of the, the recipes I put on my website. And again, like I said, you know, they're all lovely and styled and everything is looking lovely and clean and, you know, it's not really real life, if that makes sense. Yes, it's a styled life. Yeah, my husband jokes that he's going to set up a blog showing what his dinner actually looks like versus (laughs) (laughs) because, you know, I make like a spaghetti bolognese and it looks amazing in this beautiful white plate and it's styled and like the Parmesan cheese is perfectly sprinkled on top and there's fresh herbs and he gets like a slop in a bowl. (laughs) (laughs) Like Oliver Twist back in the day. Um, So... But, you know, obviously I can't, you know, photograph slop in a bowl. That's not going to do well. <laughs> you know, people are attracted to, to pretty looking things. So um, I'm, I'm conscious that I don't want people to think that we eat like this three times a day or that, you know, we, we eat off these perfectly matched pastel plates every day. So I've kind of used Instagram stories as kind of a behind the scenes, you know, a look into real life. Um, you know, if one of my kids has maybe had an absolute paddy over their food and thrown it on the floor, I'll take a picture and put that on Instagram stories to show people that, you know, my life is just as as crazy and chaotic as most mums out there. And I still have the same issues with feeding and fuss eating and, and tantrums over meals. So, yeah, I've kind of used that as a to balance the nice and pretty. <laughs> yeah, I love it. And that's how you're building relationship, authentic relationships with your audience because you you clearly understand what they are experiencing in their home life, so you're kind of showing them that you share in that reality as well. Absolutely. And I think it's kind of um you know, it's just there's just an honesty to it about you know, using social media in that way of not kind of making other people feel bad with your inspirational posts and pictures of kind of showing you know that this is the reality and it is it's those kind of posts and pictures and videos that get the most interaction for me I get people um you know messaging going oh you know it's great it's not just me or oh my child had a tantrum and threw their food at the fridge as well and yeah it's just kind of it's it just shows we're all in it together. We're all going through the same thing. 
A hundred percent. And we just keep trying. Oh, well, I wanted to chat about your ebook and because I know you have released an ebook and I do want to say congratulations on that because I know how hard it is to build. Oh my gosh. Like any content related thing is so hard and it can take so much focus to see it through. And then not only is it the actual content within the ebook, but it's, you know, launching it and, and marketing and, and all of those things. So I wanted to chat briefly about your ebook, Kira. How did you know that the time is right to actually create it and release it? And, you know, walk us through how much work actually goes into it. And would you, would you say it's been a successful yeah. venture for you? Well, it was, it's, I think it was June last year I released it. So it's coming to a year and kind of from towards the beginning of last year. So beginning of 2016, I started thinking it was something I wanted to do. It was probably more of like a personal challenge that I wanted to see if I could do it. I knew that it was going to be a lot of work, but I thought, okay, I'll do it. And I did sit on the idea for a couple of months and it was then kind of coming into like late spring into the summer month and one thing a lot of parents say to me is that during the summer they struggle with feeding the kids the snacks because you know especially when they're home from school and nursery they seem to want food all the time you're feeding them all day (laughs) it can be actually a really expensive time for parents as well of constantly buying snacks for the kids all day every day so I thought well why don't I make the ebook about snacks so homemade snacks they're also a bit healthy so you know kind of covering those bases you can make at home they're kind of most of them are really quick and easy they're healthy so that you're not feeling bad about you know filling them with like haribo all day um and also things that you can like make big or make in bulk so it becomes quite economical um so it was just the timing the kind of time of year really that I decided to focus on the healthy homemade snacks um I decided to include 50 recipes because I'd want to make it quite a you know a, a good resource for parents um and then I decided to include 15 of those being the most popular kind of snacks on my blog and then 35 recipes will be brand new because obviously they oh, needed cool. to be an incentive, yeah, for people to buy it. Um, that was it. I kind of just said about uh, making the recipes. Um, I mean, the, the kind of recipe part comes quite easy to me. People always ask me, do you not run out of ideas? And I, I don't. I've got uh, like online notes and I've got notepads full of ideas for recipes. That's never an issue. Um, so actually making the recipes wasn't too difficult for me it did take me um probably seven or eight weeks to make the 35 brand new ones simply because I was doing it alongside my blog and my existing kind of work commitments so yeah I I I didn't want to stop working blog and everything that I was doing there um but I think that helped because it wasn't massively time pressured for me I gave myself quite a bit of time um and then probably the most difficult part for me really was kind of to find a platform on which to write it up and then publish it through because that was something brand new to me um but I again I I did some research on it and I kept it really simple I 
wrote it up in pages on Mac and converted it to a PDF. So it actually ended up being a really simple platform. Um, and then published it through Gumroad, which is a really great website to publish ebooks through. Yeah. Um, they deal with all the financial side, so they take the money um, and then they pay you. I think it's like once a week they will pay you. And that they obviously take a small cut, but I felt that was worth it because it meant that I didn't have to do any of the, the payment side. So if anything went wrong or anything go through, I don't have to deal with that. Um, so for me, it's worth paying. I can't remember the percentage, but it's just a small percentage of the total price of the ebook that they take. Okay, so for people that miss that, that is Gumroad. Yeah, I Gumroad. we have looked into that ourselves. Yeah, highly recommend it. Um, yeah, really good to know. And I love that you just created it in pages, which is, of course, on everyone's mm-hmm. Mac. Uh, we are huge Apple fans here at Mums with Hustle, so it's great to know that you're tapping into that resource to create your ebook. So that was pretty much like a year after you had started. Is no two years after you had started? Is that right? Yeah. Was that your first e product? Yeah, my first and only. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's done quite well. It's kind of something that's there, and I don't uh because i'm i'm not very good at sales so i'm not a very kind of pushy buy my ebook buy my ebook um and it's actually been was sitting there kind of all winter i didn't really do much with it because it is i think maybe a more summer based um but then a few weeks ago i did put an offer like a 20 percent offer on and i put it on my mailing list and my social media and i had a really great spike in sales so yeah, yeah it's still doing well well, you know, you definitely share that in common with a lot of my audience. People often feel like, I don't know, really intimidated or overwhelmed by the thought of being a salesperson. But <laughs> can I just say, like your following size is it's growing all the time and your mailing list is growing all the time. So you can never market a product too much is one thing that I've learned. Like you're always marketing to the person that didn't hear the message never to the person that's heard it first. Like there's always those people that are just like, oh, I didn't know that you even had that or how did I miss out on hearing about that? There's always those people that come along after the fact, Kira. And I'm on the other side of the world. So when you're having winter and you feel like you can't sell your book, you should totally be marketing it it to the Aussies or the other, yes, or the Southern Hemisphere people. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. the that's thing. Yeah, that's the yeah, thing about yeah. online world is that you have a global audience. So yeah. don't forget about us. I love your stuff. Absolutely. Okay. Well, I wanted to just ask you, you know, we're about to wrap it up. Um And you've been like beautifully honest and so giving in all of your advice. So thank you for that. But I wanted to ask you just this tricky question. What do you know now that you kind of wish you knew when you first started out? Is there anything at all? Um, Not really. I think it's really important that you learn from your mistakes and everything is about trial and error, especially when you're working in, you know, if, if people are working like I am, this kind of new 
digital sphere, everything is new. Um, everybody is just trying it, you know, trial and error. And there's no set way to to work online, to work within social media. So I think, you know, it's all about testing what works for you. And yeah, I have made some mistakes over time. There's things I look back on and think I shouldn't have done that or I could have done, done that better. But I truly believe, like not just in business, but in life, that you you learn much more from your mistakes than you do from your achievements. And so I think that, you know, everything that I feel like I didn't quite do right or I didn't make the right decision, I've actually learned something really important from that. And a great example of that is kind of my my niche. It actually took me quite a while to really fit myself into the kids' food, the fussy eating sphere. I, I felt for maybe the first 12 or 18 months, I was a bit wandering with kind of the food that I was creating and the recipes. And it took me some time to really burrow down into my niche. Um, but once I've done that, that's where I've seen the, my most growth. But I think yeah. if, I, if I hadn't have known that, if I hadn't kind of learned that mistake or, or, or learned that lesson, I wouldn't be so committed to my niche now. So it was only by knowing that, you know, I needed to, to get more connected with that exact niche and learn who my exact audience was, that it's, it's kind of made me very much committed to that audience and to that niche today, if that makes sense. Yes, no, totally, totally. So you're all about the learn by doing, like just get in there and do it and try and refine or, you know, yeah. analyze as you go. Absolutely. And I think, as I said, especially working in this new kind of online digital world, there's a lot of people out there trying to tell you how things should be done or trying to sell you their, you know, their product or their course or their ebook <laughs> or whatever it is. And you can also be overwhelmed by too much information. And sometimes the best way of learning is just doing. And, you know, if, you, if you're trying to master social media, if you're trying to master Facebook or Instagram, whatever it may be, you just need to get on and try an error because, you know, learning is great and educating yourself is fantastic, but it, you, your audience is unique to you and you will never find out what they're looking for unless you really connect with them, unless you post, you see what's doing well, see what's not, what what's engaging with them. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I think you really just need to burrow down and and work at it. Yeah, no, I agree entirely. All those, I guess, you know, overnight success stories or follow these exact, exact steps and you'll get the same outcome. Uh, I don't really believe that because you're totally right. Every audience is different. Yeah. Um, yeah, so you kind of got to, you can do all the learning. What are they saying? Knowledge is power, but, uh, or knowledge is, power and but action is even greater like what good is the knowledge if you're not going to take the action action is the thing that transforms not the knowledge absolutely and you know there is great resources you know that i use for you know the blogging world and, and food blogging but yeah i think nothing beats actually getting stuck in and doing the work yeah, doing that work for yourself in your own kind of niche with your own audience in, in how you do things. There's no one-size-fits-all people. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Kira. Well, what is coming up for you 
at My Fussy Eater. And where can we connect with you online? Yeah, so I am online, myfussyeater.com and across all social medias, um, handle of My Fussy Eater. And yeah, this year, I'm actually really, really excited about this year. Um, I am currently working on an app. So I'm hoping that will be released kind of later in the year. Um, It's a much longer and trickier process than I envisaged. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I would love to learn about that. Well, Um, good luck. Good luck with that. I bet you can't say too much more about it. Yeah, I'm just I'm, I'm excited because it's something I get asked about, you know, a lot that people are grateful for, you know, the, the recipes yeah. online, but it can be tricky to obviously save them or people don't want to print them out. So a lot of people do ask, well, if you just had an app, they'd be there. Yeah. So yeah, that's something I'm working on. I've got another couple of projects kind of in the pipeline. So yeah, it's going to be an exciting year. Oh, okay. So we just kind of need to make sure that we're following My Fussy Eater, as you said, on all of your social platforms. Um, and yeah, you have generous, generously created an offer for our audience at Mums with Hustle for the 50 Healthy Homemade Snacks for Kids ebook. Do you want to tell us about that? Yeah. So I've got a 20% off um, offer, which um, I mean, hopefully you'll be able to link the... I can brilliant yeah so if if that's something you're interested in some ideas healthy quick and easy snacks for the kids there's loads of different types so I've got a section on no cook so you know if it's hot you don't want to turn the oven on you don't want to be trying to cook around I've got a no cook section I've got a section of snacks that need to be cooked or baked I've got drinks dips I've got frozen snacks so great for the summer so yeah loads of ideas if you're kind of sure on ideas to feed the kids. Yeah. And the things that I love about your recipes, Kira, is that they can totally get in there and help you make (laughs) these creations. Yeah. And they're like very basic, limited ingredients a lot of the time and healthy. Yeah. Just simple, simple food you can get in your local shop, your local store. There's nothing too crazy there. And yeah, most of the kids will really enjoy making as well. Okay, well, that is really cool. So 20% off um, Kira's 50 Healthy Homemade Snacks for Kids ebook. And all you have to do to take advantage of that is click the link that accompanies the show notes for this podcast. So make sure that you check out the link um, in the show notes for Kira's podcast. But thank you so much for coming on, Kira, and all the best with the app and the other things that you've got in the pipeline. And I look forward to continuing to follow you at My Fussy Eater. Thank you so much, Tracy. Take care. Bye. Awesome stuff. Thank you so much, Kira from My Fussy Eater for joining me on this episode of the podcast. You know, the thing that I love about Kira is her willingness to learn and then, of course, take action and implement her learnings in order to see her biz grow in success. When you have your own business, there is certainly no time to sit around procrastinating or letting nerves get the better of you. Sometimes you just need to dive in and take the action on the thing that is going to help you move forward. I also really love how well Kira obviously knows her target audience and she's been able to use 
that information and that data to, I guess, spin into a really great social media strategy for herself on the two platforms, Facebook and Instagram. So that being said, here is a really quick exercise or action that you can take following this episode. I want you to spend a few moments hopping onto Instagram or Facebook or both if you're super keen and have a look at the posts that have performed the best for you, performed the best in terms of engagement by likes, shares, or comments. Are you able to notice any trends? Is there a particular style of post that your audience seems to really connect with? Is there a particular style of caption that they are really responding to? Do posts seem to go better if they are shared at a particular time of day? Or does a particular type of content go better at a particular time of day? By asking yourselves those questions often, uh, you will become just more savvy and much more aware of your online presence, but also the online presence of your target audience so that you can then rinse and, of course, repeat the process and incorporate that into a real winning social media strategy for yourself. Always look at those two platforms, Instagram and Facebook, as two completely separate entities and treat those followers differently, giving them a curated experience of the content that they want to see on each platform. Okay, well, that is it for me. Thanks again for joining me here on the podcast. If you loved it, I would really, really appreciate it if you could jump over to iTunes and take the two minutes that it takes to leave me a review. I absolutely love hearing from you. And yes, it is much appreciated because it helps other biz mums just like yourself discover us easily on iTunes. Also, do me a favor, head over to Instagram and find my post for this episode and let me know in the comments what you loved about it. I'm going to love you and leave you. Take care and keep hustling. (laughs) 